Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. Today's episode 598. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Let's read a passage. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Paul's dealing with a problem in the church. The church is slipping. They're being led astray. They're being told they need to follow some Jewish regulations of dietary restrictions and following the Jewish calendar. They need to practice asceticism, which is self-denial in order to be more spiritual. And they need to have this special knowledge that they're trying to tap into some spiritual beings, probably angels, to find out previously unknown ways in which they're to properly worship and be more spiritual. Paul's trying to pull them back, say, you guys are looking at the wrong places. Look to Christ. If you want to be more spiritual, that's fine. But look to Christ to be more spiritual. And so he was criticizing their thinking in chapter 2. Now in chapter 3, he's telling them what to do. He's making the challenge that the, you have died in Christ, and there's a new you, the new self versus the old self. So stop acting like an old self and start acting like a new self and look to Christ. So last time he was talking about putting away the old self and putting on the new self. And he's continuing that language here, talking about what that new self looks like. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, as God's chosen ones, remember there's a Jewish flavor to this false teaching that's cropping up in Colossae. And the Jews have considered themselves the chosen people of God. And the Israelites were the chosen ones of God. God chose them as a nation to be his people that he worked with. Now he's opened up the gospel to all people. And so really the chosen ones are those who've been chosen by God. The word elect, that is, that God has adopted as his people. And that is the Christians. So as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Holy is being made blameless, being declared clean by God and dearly loved by God. So that's your state of being. So because of that, put on these things. Now he said, take off or put away the bad behavior, the sinful behavior. And so here, put on these kinds of attitudes, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That sounds so similar to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. 
we look in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says that's what comes out of living a life open to the Holy Spirit. Very similar, and he the point being, that's what the new self looks like. So put off the sinful behavior and put on these kind of attributes. Then verse 13, it, it, it continues in the same language. I think 12, those kinds of attributes could be appropriate for dealing with anyone. But verse 13, I think, is specifically talking more to the within the church, within the body of Christ, the one another. He says in 13, buried with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Now, we don't know that there's a specific problem with a lack of unity within the Colossian church. And these are applicable to all believers at all times. But verse 13, specifically speaking with one another. So in verse 9, he said, don't lie to one another. Here he's saying instead, bear with one another, forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance. I notice that uh, the principles here are to bear with one another. That means put up with one another. So if somebody's annoying me, the onus is on me to bear with them. If someone has offended me, the onus is on me to forgive the other person. So in speaking with relationships within the church, the challenge is always on me, what I should do. And, and it's always been the case and always should be the case is that whenever I'm having trouble with somebody else within the body of Christ, the issue for me is what do I do? How do I act? What do I do with this? One of the things we always say when we talk about peacemaking is you may only be responsible for 2% of the conflict. You were 100% responsible for that 2%. So the onus is always on you and what you are called to do. That you are called to bear with others. You are called to be long-suffering. You are called to forgive. And that's necessary for harmony within the church. It says, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. We see this several places. This linkage between our forgiveness of one another and God's forgiveness of us. In the Sermon on the Mount, right after Jesus gives the model prayer, he, he makes this linkage of God's forgiveness of us related to our forgiveness of one another. And that's where if we step back and really think about what it is God has forgiven us of, that any sin against God is an infinite sin worthy of infinite punishment. And so compare that to something that somebody else would do to me. It doesn't measure up. So if I really think about what God has forgiven me of, then how could I not be willing to forgive somebody else? Verse 14, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And we see this a lot of places that the primary call is to love one another. Because if you're actually doing that, really doing that, 
and not just some wishy-washy sentimental feeling love, but actual love, then relationships kind of take care of themselves. Just as loving God, if we really love God, our behavior tends to take care of itself because I don't want to sin if I truly love God and am acting on that love. So similarly, if I truly love the others in the body of Christ, there's not going to be a lot of bad behavior between each other. We may do some things accidentally, but then we're very quick to make it right, very quick to fix any rifts within the body. So loving one another is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. So the peace of Christ, this can be described in a lot of ways. Sometimes you just talk about the actual, the idea that we're at peace with God, because when we were separated from God, we were enemies of God. But when we're justified by faith, we are now at peace with God. We're also called a peace with one another. And this goes along with the idea of love being the perfect bond of unity. And because he specifically says, called in one body. So he's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about the church here. Harmony in the church. Come together and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your relationships. Rule in your corporate activity as the church. And be thankful. So all these things, attitude. If we've got the right attitudes, those attitudes that come out of the fruit of the Spirit, and we're actually treating one another with love in a peaceful, thankful way, then things go well within the church. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Now, they don't have the New Testament yet. What do they have? They have the gospel. So the word of Christ, I, I think you could just say the gospel dwell richly among you. Back to Christ. You don't need to be looking to these spiritual beings for this secret knowledge. You've got the gospel. Now let that dwell among you. It says, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Pause there. Compare that to Colossians 1.28, Paul's opening part of the letter. He's talking about what he and Timothy do. Verse 128 says, We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's the same words. As we proclaim him, that could be talking about the word of Christ dwelling. Warning, that's the same word as admonishing. Just gets translated differently there. And teaching, we see that. So what he's basically calling the people of the church in Colossae to do is the same thing that Paul and Timothy are doing. Proclaiming Christ, admonishing and teaching people based on the word of God. Now he adds here, through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He's saying he uses an avenue of this admonishing and teaching and all wisdom music. Now, is there a difference between psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? This has been a debate since Paul wrote the letter. Are these three separate things, or what is it? I think it's just the way Paul talks. A lot of times he uses words that are basically synonyms with each other or have a lot of overlap. I think that's the case here. I don't think you can make a list of psalms, a list of hymns, and a list of spiritual songs. I think he's basically 
using three phrases that have incredible overlap. So basically, use music in this teaching and admonishing in all wisdom. That's a clue for us how we should use music within the church. Be very careful about the content of our music. It's not just music that makes you feel good. Music's got a great beat. Music that you like, but the music content is incredibly important. Verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is back to attitude. So put off the sinful behavior and put on the right attitudes. Because the right attitudes lead to the right behavior. Sinful behavior flows out of sinful attitudes, sinful desires. But love for the Lord, love for one another, and attitudes that are driven by the Holy Spirit, they, they result in God-glorifying activity and bringing the church together in unity. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Colossians.